Our Father, we bless you and we praise you for your goodness and your love. Lord, we breathe in your affection for us. Lord, even with our eyes closed, we can experience your beauty. And your beauty transforms us. Thank you, Lord, that you don't leave us like you found us, but you change us day by day by day by your grace. You change us that we could grow up into the image of Jesus, that we can be conformed into the image of your Son, not by our efforts, our attempts, but by your grace, by the power of your Holy Spirit. So we welcome you, Lord, into this moment, and we thank you and we give you honor and praise in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks so much, guys. Good morning, everybody. Please be seated, and good morning to everybody on the live stream. My name's Anthony. It's my great joy and privilege to serve in this house as an elder, and what a joy to share the Word of God with you this morning. His Word washes us, cleanses us, transforms us. It's, it's His Word that does this. So the title of my message this morning is Training for Glory, and our key scripture is from Titus chapter 2, verse 11 to 14. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession, zealous for good works. This is a, a, a recent scripture for me, a, a piece of God's word that I've fallen in love with and I've embedded it in my heart and I find myself returning to it again and again. And what a joy to speak about it this morning. So I just want for the next few minutes to, to process this a little bit, to chew on it, to go through some of the bits and pieces. And then we'll, we'll dive into the message itself. As I said, the, the title of the message is Training for Glory. So we're going to focus on the training and how the grace of God trains us in three particular ways to produce good works in our lives, and that ultimately brings glory to him. But start, starting off, it says, for the grace of God has appeared. And what does the grace of God look like? Well, there's, there's a little echo in Titus chapter 3, where in verse 4 it says, but when the goodness and the loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of works that we have done in righteousness, but according to his own mercy. So the grace of God that has appeared is his goodness, his love, his presence, his beauty, the joy and the peace that we get to experience, the hope that we know because he is the God of hope. So the grace of God appears and it brings salvation for all people. And this is something that the Bible is so clear about. 
is that salvation is for everybody. But the grace of God is not going to accomplish anything in your lives unless it is mixed in faith, with faith. So we remember what Paul says in Romans chapter 3, verse 23. He says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Who has sinned and who has fallen short? Everybody. Every human being that has ever lived except him, except Jesus. Because he was 100% man and I was 100% God. He's the only one that never fell short of the glory of God. So it says everyone's fallen short, but then goes on to say, for, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift. So everybody falls short, but everybody is justified by his grace as a gift. But there's no full stop there. There's a comma. Justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood, another comma, to be received by faith. So the grace of God brings salvation for all people. The grace of God brings justification and the gift of righteousness that we can stand before him right and pure and holy. But it, the grace must be mixed with your faith. You know, Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 says, For it is by grace that we are saved through faith. So grace has appeared and it brings salvation for all people. But it must be mixed with our faith. And then goes on to say, so just give me a moment. Training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So all through the New Testament, you know, there's this constant refrain of glory to God the Father. Think about how Paul begins many of his letters. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, Ephesians chapter 3 verse 21. Now to him, to God the Father, who is able to do far more abundantly in our lives than anything we can ask or think or imagine. To him be the glory. And it's like the, the, the Lord Jesus and the Lord Holy Spirit are continually deflecting grace and glory to the Father. But just occasionally in the New Testament, you have one of these blinding moments of clarity where we're reminded that Jesus is God as well, that in him the fullness of deity resides, that in him the fullness of the Godhead was pleased to dwell. And this is one of those scriptures where Paul's so absolutely clear our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Because it is true that there are many in the church today that, that struggle with this revelation. And this is essential, that the Godhead, the, the, the deity of Jesus, his God nature and his human nature are, are both inherent in the person of Jesus Christ. So I love this moment of clarity that he gives us. Who gave himself for us. Now, of course, we know from, from the most famous Bible verse, John chapter 3, verse 16, God so loved the world that he gave his only son. So we have this picture of the Father presenting the Son to us. In Galatians chapter 4, it says, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son. But it's important also to realize that Jesus 
gave himself for us. So Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. In the life that I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. 1 John 3.16, this is how we know what love is. He gave himself for us, and we should give our lives for others. So, so it's important to understand that just as much as the Father gave us the gift of his Son, Jesus was perfectly united in giving himself to us. And in fact, he says, he says, no one takes my life from me. I lay it down, and I will claim it again. So this is our Jesus, our great God and Savior, who loved us and gave himself for us. To redeem us from all lawlessness, so we see that echo from what was said earlier, so that we can renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and then to purify for himself, because he wants us to be a pure and holy people. The Bible says, 1 Peter, be holy because I am holy. God calls us to a high standard. 2 Peter chapter 1, um, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. His divine power has granted to us everything that we need for life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. So the glory and excellence of Jesus is the standard to which he expects us to, to, to meet, to live up to, not by our own effort. Not by our own works, but by his grace. We go back to the start of the scripture. The grace of God has appeared. To, to purify for himself a people for his own possession. And Peter uses the same word in his letter. He says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. I am so glad that my life is not my own. I belong to him. We as a people belong to him. And because we are the children of God together, we are one family, one people. I love going to, you know, I do a, run a Bible study in Kailich every week. And sometimes my good friend Paul, who's at the back there, comes along with me. And Paul's Nigerian and Pastor Joy's Malawian and there's Zimbabweans and there's Kosa speaking and English speaking South Africans. And we rejoice that we are the people of God, one people, a chosen race. You know, we are united by his blood, not white or black or Kosa or Zulu or Sutu or many nationalities, male and female. Remember, it says we are all one in Christ. There's no Jew nor Greek, neither slave nor free, no male nor female. We are all one in Christ, a people for his own possession that are zealous for good works. And we'll come back to the zealous for good works theme in a moment. So the grace of God brings salvation to us. But what happens after that? Jesus doesn't leave us as babies. He gives us grace and he gives us a coach. Jesus said, it's to your advantage that I go away because then the Father will send the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is our coach. And we are in training for a glory, yes, for ourselves to some extent, but more particularly for him. It's a wonderful Olympic theme. Training for his glory. And the Holy Spirit is our coach and he trains us. So three things. First, to renounce. To renounce ungodliness and worldly passions. So what does it mean to renounce? As I said in the earlier service, what's the Afrikaans for renounce? It's near. Just say no. 
That's what it means. You know, it, it, it is difficult. We are tempted. The Bible says that Jesus was tempted in every way. It, it's impossible on your own to say no to all the distractions, to all the temptations in the world. But he gives grace. And he gives us his Holy Spirit. In Titus chapter 3 it says, the, Through the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he has poured out on us richly. So we have a coach and he trains us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions. I want to read from 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11, just to give a little bit of context. And I've spoken about how the word of God washes us. Paul says this is from verse 9. He says, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. Such were some of all of us. But you were washed, he goes on to say. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Amen. Amen. We were made clean. But Paul gives us this list of, of sins. And, you know, when, when I look at the, the, the challenges around us, I think, you know, love of money, sexual immorality, and idolatry are some of the big three that are out there. And there's, but there's no sin, there's no temptation that is big enough that you cannot renounce, that you cannot say no to that form of ungodliness and worldly passion because of the grace of God. This is, this is the key theme that we speak about today, is that the grace of God is more than enough. His grace is sufficient for me. I was talking to Mbusi before the scripture and she of this message, and she reminded me of that scripture. His grace is sufficient. His grace is more than enough. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 is God, and God is able to make all grace abound towards you. It's like an ocean. And, and the grace of God appeared when Jesus came. You know, we read in John chapter 1, um, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And jump down to verse 14, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory as of the only Son of, from the Father, full of grace and truth, and from his fullness. So think about this, this picture of, of an ocean of love. From his fullness we have all received, grace upon grace. And what I think John is meaning to say is grace upon grace upon grace upon grace, it never ends. It's like stepping in to the ocean and the waves Never stop. That is his grace. His, his grace is inexhaustible. It never comes to an end. And when we, we're fighting this good fight, following Jesus, trying to live a life that is pure and holy, his grace is sufficient. His grace is always enough. And what he asks us to do is to step into the ocean of his love and his grace every day and receive that grace, to allow the waves of his grace to wash over us. So that's number one. We renounce ungodliness and worldly passions. And then the grace of God trains us to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives. 
And then I'll jump forward to, the, to verse 14, a people that are zealous for good works. Remember, he wants us to be fruitful. Jesus said, John chapter 15, by this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit. That's how we bring glory to him. He wants us to be a people full of good works. We spoke about that scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8. God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. Impossible to do it on our own, but the grace of God has appeared. From his fullness we have all received grace upon grace, Because the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth have come through Jesus Christ. So he wants us to be a people that are overflowing with fruit. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10, we are his workmanship. I used to to focus on the workmanship part of that scripture. Think how special and precious I am as a child of God. And it's true. We all are special and precious and beautifully and wonderfully made. But now my focus is on the his. I am his. As I said, we are a people for his own possession. So we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for a life of good works that he, that he planned before and that we might walk in them. All we need to do is walk in his grace. And then the third thing is to wait patiently and endure. So to go back to our scripture in Titus, training us to renounce, training us to live godly lives, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Because we know that life is hard. There are many afflictions. There are sufferings. There are setbacks. There are challenges. There are tests. There are trials. But he gives grace to endure. Hebrews chapter 10 and 12, chapter 10 firstly says, you have need of much endurance. It's true. It's a marathon, not a sprint. You need to endure. Um, Hebrews chapter 12 verse 1, since then you're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us cast off every weight and the sin that clings so closely and run the race that is set before us with endurance. We need to develop and practice endurance and steadfastness in our lives. James chapter 1, count it all joy, my brothers, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness or endurance, perseverance. And let your steadfastness be made perfect. And that requires practice. So his grace enables us to wait. Um. But we still need to work hard and practice. So Pierre preached on one of my favorite scriptures last week from 2 Peter chapter 1, where it speaks about that grace and, and, and peace that is multiplied to us and how God's given us by his divine power and his great promises, everything that we need for life and godliness. And then Peter talks about these eight qualities, faith. Virtue, virtue is moral excellence, which chimes very well with about renouncing ungodliness and worldly passions. Knowledge, we need to grow in knowledge. Self-control, steadfastness, there's that word again. Godliness, brotherly affection, and love. And then he says, if you practice 
these qualities, you will never, you will never fall. So we need to practice, and we need to put in hard work. In that same passage of Scripture, he says, for this very reason, make every effort, put in effort, to supplement your faith with virtue, your virtue with knowledge, etc. And then he says at the end, um, be all the more diligent to make your calling and election sure. Because if you practice these qualities, you will never fail. So we've got the best coach. We've got the Holy Spirit. We've got more than enough grace. The grace of God never ends. It's available to us every day. But just like to be saved, you need to mix faith with grace. In order to be trained, you need to mix grace with faith and hard work and practice. Are you struggling with with unforgiveness? Is there unforgiveness and bitterness in your heart and you struggle to, to forgive those that offend you, that hurt you? Practice, practice, practice extending grace, extending forgiveness. Are you struggling with habitual sins? Practice saying no. Lean into his grace. There is no test that is too difficult for us to overcome because of the grace of God. So there is a crown of righteousness for us. Um, Paul says, um, I've fought the good fight, I've finished the race, I've kept the faith. Now there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. So there is an element of glory for us. But ultimately, this training that we do is not for our glory. It's for his glory. As we said, Ephesians 3.21, now to him. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we can ask or think. And I think for many of us, we look back at our lives and go, Lord Jesus, it's all you. It's by your grace. To him be the glory. To him be the glory. And I love, I, I love what Peter says at the end of his second letter. He says, but grow in the grace and the knowledge of God. So, sorry. Grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So he's talking about the second person of the Trinity. And then he says, to him be glory, both now and to the day of eternity. Isn't it wonderful how, how the Bible shows us that we can give glory to the Father, glory to the Son, glory to the Holy Spirit. There's no jealousy in the Trinity. Each member glorifies the other. And we do this for his glory. So there's more than enough of God's grace. But we need to step into it. We need to pursue it. We need to be hungry for his grace. And a warning. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 1, Paul says, working together with him. And when he was talking about working together, he's talking about, you know, I'm working with Timothy, and I'm working with Titus, and I'm working with the elders in your church, O Corinthians. We're working together with Jesus, and now we appeal to you, do not receive the grace of God in vain. Do not receive the grace of God in vain. He gives us so much grace. He gives us the gift of salvation, but he calls us to be trained. He calls us to be trained so that we can grow up in Romans chapter 8, it says, Those whom he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed into the image of his Son. He won't accept anything less 
than that, than that we bring glory to him by being transformed into the image of his son. And then in Hebrews it says, see to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God. There's so much grace flowing, pouring from, from the throne of God, but you can miss it. You can miss it in, in the particular context of Hebrews. He says, see that no root of bitterness springs up. That if there's unforgiveness or if there's sin in your life, you can miss out on the grace of God. So follow him. Look to Jesus. Set your eyes on him. Run the race that is before us with endurance. Looking to Jesus. So to encourage you again, in Hebrews chapter 4, the writer says, Let us then with confidence approach, draw near to his throne of grace, to obtain mercy, to find grace, to help us in our time of need. When is your time of need? Well, for me, it's every day. I need his help every day. The easiest prayers you can pray, Lord, help me. Lord, thank you. Give me more of your grace. We need to be approaching his throne of grace every day. There's, there's, there's such an adventure that he has called us to walk. There is so much energy and power that he has made available to us by his grace. So much for us to do. So much fun in a biblical sense. You know, I know if you look at the life of Paul, it doesn't look like a lot of fun. But he said, I, in all my afflictions, we are overflowing with, with joy. We are sorrowful, yet we are always rejoicing. Jesus said, these words I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. That's the, that's the life that we want to live. We need to approach his throne of grace every day. And then those closing words of Peter. He says, but grow in the grace and the knowledge of God. Grow in his grace. We appeal to you. Do not fall short of his grace. Do not receive his grace in vain. So much that he's got to give for us, give to us. So much that he's made available for us. The grace of God has, has appeared. And when you open your eyes every morning, the grace of God appears. His beauty, his love, his kindness, his faithfulness, new every morning. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies Never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. Let's close with a prayer from Psalm 67. It's an easy one and it's a good one to remember. God have mercy on us and bless us and cause your face to shine upon us. Lord, we pray this prayer as the body of Christ. A people for your possession. We pray this prayer, O oh God. Have mercy on us and bless us and cause your face to shine upon us. Lord, we approach your throne of grace with confidence to obtain mercy and to find grace. We pray, Lord, for your grace. Teach us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions. Train us, Lord, to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives. Train us to wait and endure, to be patient, Lord.
Lord, we want to be a people that are zealous for good works that bring you glory, that live lives of increasing fruitfulness. But it will never be by our efforts. It will never be by our good intentions. It will never be by our own moral virtue. Is by your grace. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Thank you, Ant. Thanks for uh, just lavishing the Word of God on us this morning. I love that word, grace. Uh, unmerited favor. There's nothing you can do today to receive it other than receive it. <laughs> and that's my prayer for you this week as you, as you enter into this week. As we put our hearts again to, to next week in gathering. Um, and for you guys who are online, I hope some of you can make it here next week. But... Uh, may you go in this grace. Next week we will be back in the same room, the same times. Um, it seems like this service, the 10 o'clock one, goes, uh, goes out quite quickly. So if you want to come to 10 o'clock, just make sure that you register quick enough. We'll allow the registrations to open up on Wednesday. And uh, may you have an incredible day, an incredible week. And see you guys soon. And then, until we know what all our gatherings will look like into the future, please pray for us. But grace, the Lord is leading us, and we know there's a glorious future ahead of us. Love you guys. Have an awesome day. Thank you.